On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news. The Big 12 preseason poll and preseason All-Big 12 team were released. We'll break those down and give you the latest update on OU's game against Missouri State. In the National College Football Roundup, we look at the biggest stories, including Power 5 testing protocols, the SEC schedule, and a tough loss for Texas on the recruiting trail. And football guys talking basketball, we discuss Zion leaving the bubble and break down the latest updates on the Oklahoma City Thunder. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and look at why OU and OSU aren't cutting any sports and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. Now we're recording this on Sunday night, and Ted, it is utter chaos at the Eichert household right now. Movers come tomorrow, and there's just, there's just shit everywhere, man. It, it is absolute chaos, and my wife and I, were, we're kind of just doing it by ourselves and it's mostly her i haven't done that much i'm not gonna lie i was like oh honey i have to go record the podcast sorry (laughs) you can keep packing up the dishes by yourself but it is it's gonna be a late night i i just i can feel it i'm gonna be up till the wee hours of the morning we we kind of procrastinated a little bit which is not normally our style but but everyone that moves procrastinates and it's a fire sale for the last day and a half oh it's it's going to be in and the weird part about it is we're moving everything from our current house into our new house but everything that's in our current house is going to be the furniture for the upstairs of the new house now we built our new house like hey you know forever home right we're thinking kids all that stuff down the line it'll be entirely too many rooms when we move into it and we'll look like <laughs> idiots but so all of this furniture is going upstairs and then we're getting new stuff for like the master bedroom and all that stuff. So I, I just, I didn't realize we had so much stuff. There's so much stuff, Teddy. I'm telling you the best thing about moving is it's the, it's the, it's the only opportunity you're really ever going to get to throw away all of your crap. Just jettison all of the junk, throw it in a dumpster, never think about it again. Here's what's crazy. So we did the same thing. We built a house and then when our house sold and we weren't, our new house that we're building wasn't quite ready to move into. So there was like a little, um, I don't know, grace period there, but the the same thing is happening to (laughs) us. 
<laughs> we're going to live at my mother-in-law's for like I, it's supposed to be like 10 days we'll see yeah, ours was supposed to be a week we we're there a month oh uh, god uh, so here's the funny thing though i like when we packed up our house it was the same thing it was like 24 36 hours of just chaos scrambling you know long hours trying to get it all done we finally and it's like i think 10 o'clock the night before we're supposed to be out and it's like oh my god we're finally out and we're about to walk out of the house and i'm like oh my god the attic i had forgotten <laughs> about everything that was in the attic and oh we, were about, we were about to drive off it's like we got everything final walkthrough yeah we're good and i walked out to the garage and i was like oh my god so uh that's what I, I had to push on through through the evening i should say that uh that sounds miserable but i that's what it's kind of looking like tonight at the eichard household now luckily maybe a uh few will and wiley hard seltzers will get me through guys <laughs> yes. stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it hard seltzers are amazing and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast and that is will and wiley hard seltzer from coop ale works it's perfect for any occasion we drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate, and I guess now, while moving. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. I dare you to try the pineapple and say it's not incredible. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. All right, Ted, let's get right to it. A ton to talk about when it comes to local college football news. Let's start here. Uh, no surprise at all. The Big 12 preseason poll is out, as voted on by the media. OU clearly voted to win the conference. They received 80 first-place votes. Oklahoma State picked to finish second. They received six first-place votes. Texas picked to finish third. They received four first-place votes. So if you're good at math out there, Oklahoma received 80 of 90 first place votes when you've won the conference five years in a row that's kind of just how it has to be right I mean that's that's no surprise even with the questions at quarterback maybe there's questions who's going to step up and be the playmakers for you who's going to replace CeeDee Lamb all these kind of things what's the defense going to look like is it going to be much improved year two for Alex Grinch but no one cares when you've won it five years in a row I mean there's no other way to vote right I mean, it, it, it says a lot about Oklahoma, but it also says a lot about this conference, right? Whenever Oklahoma probably as many question marks going into this season as they've had in recent years. I mean, we're going to be starting a freshman at quarterback most, right, most likely. Uh, we're going to have to replace our, our biggest uh, wide receiver playmaker from a year ago. Uh, got to replace our first first round defensive player in a long time. So, man, it's it's good for Oklahoma that they can replace those things and still be picked to win the conference. But I mean, it doesn't really say a whole lot about the Big Twelve whenever that's the case. Whenever you got all these other teams and Oklahoma replacing a quarterback, all those different parts that we've talked about, and still. I mean, 80 of the 90 first-place votes, I mean, that's, that's crazy. And I've, I've compared it to this before in, when it comes to sports. It's like LeBron James when he was in the Eastern Conference, right? Mm -hmm. He just 
you just don't bet against them. And, and that's where Oklahoma's at right now in this conference. Now, it's like I Kansas was – in basketball in the Big 12. Exactly. Uh, I was pretty excited to see Oklahoma State get some respect. You know, ended up being picked to finish second. Uh, I think there's, there's some serious high expectations in Stillwater. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting Spencer Sanders to make a big jump. Clearly, Chuba Hubbard, Tyler Wallace back on that offense. But the big question for me, for them, is what's that Jim Knowles defense going to look like? I know that they've got a bunch of starters back, but those starters weren't very good last year. You know, they had no, – don't get me wrong, they – they did some good things at times, but we'll see. Were you surprised at all that Texas came in behind Oklahoma State with, you know, with a fourth-year quarterback like Ellinger coming back, with some talent on the defensive side of the football coming back? But, you know, Tom Herman, he changed both coordinators. You got Chris Ash coming in as a defensive coordinator. You got Yersich as your offensive coordinator. I, I just don't know. In, in this whole thing, we have to factor in that this offseason was not normal at all. So, I, I don't know, but it, it seems like a no-brainer OU being voted to win the conference, of course. But then Oklahoma State being in front of Texas, I thought that was pretty interesting because there's a lot of people that are on the Longhorns bandwagon leading into the season. Uh, am I surprised Oklahoma State is ahead of Texas? Not really. I mean, they've they've been talked about quite a bit with the guys that they've got coming back. I mean, and been pretty widely picked to have a good season. Um, now Texas, I I don't even think I wouldn't even I'm I put it out my Big Twelve rankings. I don't even have Texas third. Um, I've got them. I've got them actually fifth. So it, it's it's shocking in a sense that Texas is almost every year picked way above where they end up um so i don't know maybe some people have learned their lesson but i mean they got four first place votes and i'm not saying they don't i mean maybe they get first place in the big 12 this year but explain to me how you could vote for them first place after what you saw last year that was an eight and five football team last year they were five and four in a crappy big 12 and like, has, has there been some type of miraculous uh, transfer group of guys that have come in? No. I guess you could say that Tom Herman got new coordinators and these guys, you're Which is always Ash, a good thing. That's always what you want because, wait, his coordinators took head coaching jobs, right? <laughs> well, I mean, no. No, the, no, fired. they got fired. They got right. fired. <laughs> they got fired. And I'm sure these guys are great coordinators. Yersich, you know, has done some good things. But here's the thing. They haven't had any time with their players at all. Their guys haven't had any chance to, to practice. They didn't get a spring with their guys. I guess, I don't. I mean, last year was supposed to be the year coming off of a Sugar Bowl. They were terrible. Eight and five football team. Okay, so I, I don't know how anyone could pick them first place. Again, not saying that it doesn't happen. Sometimes teams come together and great things uh, can take place. But I don't, I don't see it at all. I think... Oklahoma State's better than Texas. I think Iowa State's better than Texas. And I think if TCU gets some decent play out of Max uh, Duggan, TCU's going to be better than Texas. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, I guess when you look at the Longhorns this year, you do see seven starters back on offense, nine back on defense. And it it is a reality that 
Texas has the second most amount of talent in the conference. They do. I mean, clearly Oklahoma's got the most. And with the way that Texas is recruited, Tom Herman's recruited over the last three years, like they should be better. I feel like we say that every year, but just a no-brainer for OU to be picked to win the conference. Pumped to see Oklahoma State get some respect. Texas picked third and then rounding out the rest of the conference. Iowa State picked fourth. Baylor fifth, which I think is way too high for Baylor. I think Baylor's going to take a big step back this year simply because they just lost so many players. Uh, TCU picked sixth. Kansas State picked seventh. West Virginia picked eighth. Tech picked ninth. And the Jayhawks bringing it up the rear in tenth. Now, out of all these teams, if I had to pick one team that I think that the media will be wildly off on. I'm going with Texas Tech. I don't know why I have so much faith in Matt Wells in year two. I just think that if Alan Bowman stays healthy, I, I really do. I think that this team could some could surprise some people. And I'll admit it. I am a little bit blinded by my love for Matt Wells. Mm-hmm. Talk to him quite a bit. He's just such a likable guy. And I think that I really do think they can put up some numbers. Now, defensively, ooh, boy, I, I, I don't know. I guess Eli Howard was the guy <laughs> defensive end for them was picked uh, first team or preseason all Big 12, but they got some holes to fill. So we'll see, but that's the one team. Do you, you have one of those teams where you're like, ah, I feel like they're pretty off on them? Uh, I mean, not really. Sounds like yours is Texas. <laughs> well, yeah, te- I got Texas five. But I'm with you on tech. I've kind of – I look at it in tiers. I think Oklahoma's in a class by themselves. I think OSU, Iowa State, TCU, and if I have to, I'll include Texas. That's kind of the next tier that I could see uh, all of those teams fighting for a berth in the Big 12 championship. And then between Kansas, Kansas State, Tech, Baylor, and um, – I guess I'll throw West Virginia in there. I think that's the next group where I think any one of those teams could could make a run and and at least show well, show better than they were picked. But you know, one last thing on Texas. You know, I don't I just don't know how much that team okay, you got new coordinators, you've got a lot of talent, but what's the one thing you have to have? You gotta believe in the top man, right? If you don't believe in your head coach as a football team, you're not going to go anywhere. There's going to be mutiny. There's going to be infighting. There's going to be guys questioning schedule, uh, practice, routine, all of that stuff. And I watched Tom Herman headbutt one of his players to try and get the whole team fired up last year in the last game of the season. And they all stood there and looked at him like he was an idiot. Okay. So that doesn't exactly speak to me like a team that's ready to lay down and give it everything they've got for their coach. That is still an all-time hilarious clip. But I will say this about their offseason. You know, we talked about kind of the social justice initiatives that were kind of player-driven there in Austin. I think Tom – I do think Tom Herman has gained some respect from his players with how he has handled that entire situation. We'll see if that brings the Longhorns team a little closer. All right, Ted, the preseason All-Big 12 team came out as well. Let's look at the local guys that are on it. Chuba Hubbard was named preseason offensive player of the year. Uh, duh. 
I don't think that anyone really, especially with the question mark of, and once again, we think it's going to be Rattler, but with the question mark of OU's quarterback being up in the air, Chuba Hubbard is the obvious choice for preseason offensive player of the year. I mean, he may be the most talented guy in the conference. So I don't think anyone's surprised by that. And then Spencer Rattler was named preseason newcomer of the year. And I don't think that surprises anyone either, right? These are two no-brainer selections in my mind. Yeah, I, I agree on Chuba Hubbard being the, the preseason offensive player of the year. Now, I agree with him being the preseason offensive player of the year, but I will say that there I would give him almost zero chance to be the award winner for offensive player of the year this season, if that makes sense. I don't think he's going to get near the carries he did last year. I hope I think, he doesn't. I, right. I think Tyler Wallace is, is going to chew up a big piece of that offense and, and kind of steal some of his star power. So, um, I mean, he's kind of the guy that has to get it going in after last year's performance, but I, I would be shocked if he wins it two years in a row. Yeah, but you mentioned Tylen Wallace. If Tylen Wallace plays well for them – I mean, that should open up their run game because you got to remember going back late last year for them, he was racking up yards against loaded boxes. So Mm -hmm. if Spencer Sanders improves as a passer, they're spreading it around a little more. Maybe they get some light boxes there and Chuba gets some more explosive plays that way. I I don't know, but I I don't think anyone is surprised he was voted preseason offensive player of the year. Now, some people maybe were surprised about Rattler being newcomer of the year just because Lincoln Riley continues to say it's quarterback competition between him and Tanner Mordecai. But I, I think with the numbers, was, the numbers that the OU quarterback position puts up, I, I mean, there's, there's really no one else you can vote for. Right. The only surprise I had was, was that he played last year. I didn't realize he could still be a newcomer, but I mean, it makes sense. He just barely got right. in. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, that's the no-brainer pick for sure. Yeah, other local guys on the Big 12 – or on the preseason All-Big 12 team, Tylen Wallace, duh, now. The knee injury last year, we're all hoping that he just gets back to where he was. I, I still that, – that play against Iowa State last year where he truck sticks the guy that stiff arms the guy to the ground, still one of my favorite plays in recent college football history. It was just so sick. Uh, Charleston Rambo makes preseason all big 12 and he had a solid year last year. You go back and look at the stats, had some big games. Now he also kind of disappeared in some moments. And I think sometimes that was more of a product of Jalen hurts than it was of what Charleston Rambo was doing. You look at the O line Creed Humphrey, Adrian Ely, and then Tevin Jenkins all on the preseason all big 12 team. Any surprises there? Any surprises that were omitted from the list? I don't think so. I think it's all um, pretty straightforward stuff here. Um, the Tyler Wallace is absolutely a no-brainer. He's, he's one of the better deep ball wide receivers uh, I've seen in a long time. It's funny. I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever heard Toby Rowland talk about Tyler Wallace and make the inside joke about him? So – Whenever Tylen was having his huge year, on one of the OU broadcasts, uh, it's late in the season, 
and Toby is says sometime during the broadcast, he's like, man, this Big 12 conference, just so many good wide receivers. And he lists off like eight guys. And he doesn't list Tylen Wallace, who is like leading the Big 12 at the time. And, who is a, a Bolitnikoff <laughs> finalist that year. And all of the Oklahoma State fans just like poured on top of him and still give him crap to this day about it. And I do whenever I get a chance as well. So if you ever think about it, Ask Toby if he knows who Tyler Wallace is. <laughs> I, I definitely will. I wonder if he put him in his children's book. Did you see that T-Row wrote a children's book? Not to get too off topic, but what He's is it? Unhitch the Wagon right now. Yeah, Unhitch go, the Wagon. Go buy it, people. It's on Amazon. Just go buy it. Why not? Um, Pretty cool deal. Defensive side of the ball on the preseason All-Big 12 team, you've got two guys. Ronnie Perkins, Colby Harvell Peel. Those are the only guys on defense. I, I don't really know who else to make an argument for. I think maybe you could make an argument for possibly a guy like, I don't know, Trey Brown, maybe, mm -hmm. if he has kind of a breakout year. But it's tough the way they did the secondary because there's like, there's like five spots and like four of them are safeties, right? Yeah. And you've got um, – so it, it's hard because Peel deserves to be on there. Eisworth is unbelievable. So it's tough. and. Trey Brown, I think he, I think he's got a really good chance to be there by the end of the season. I saw his tweet come out right after they released the team that he's been disrespected for too long. Uh, so, I mean, that's a good thing. That's, that's motivation for him. Uh, no one cares about preseason lists at the end of the day. It's all about the postseason list. So I'm glad he's motivated by that. You know, just talking to, you know, when they first started winter workouts and doing some stuff with the coaches, I, I talked to Alex Grinch, and I didn't even bring up Trey Brown. I was just like, how the guy's doing? He's like, dude, it's – compared to last year, it's night and day with the attitude and the attention to detail. And he said, like, Trey Brown is, is the like, guaranteed guy. Last year he was – he's kind of questioning some of the stuff that we did, some of the way that we ran to the ball and all these different things. And this year he's the leader of it. So you love to hear those type of things. He's, I think he's set up for a nice year. Good. And then last local guy on the preseason All-Big 12 team, the most important player on the field, according to Teddy Lehman, and that would be the kicker, Gabe Burkich. No surprise, right? Guy didn't miss last year, so you got to put him on there. You got to put him on there, whether it's for the kicks or for the uh, preseason swag. You got to put Burkich on there. Huge leg. He's 100%. I mean, I'm just – not that I want him to miss – I just want to see the reaction after a miss. See if he still has, just, like, the same, like, he, like just, he may not even notice that he missed the kick, you know? He just <laughs> drops to his knees. He's just like, why? <laughs> no. Just the opposite reaction of what we'd expect, if, I guess. If he could keep the same level of confidence that he has right now after missing a kick, then he's going to be fantastic. Bold, bold prediction. He will miss a kick this season it, it'll happen at some point it'll happen uh, i guess if you're looking for the local guys maybe that got snubbed first guy that comes to mind probably kennedy brooks but puka williams being preseason all big 12 i i'm a massive puka williams fan so we'll see how that plays out i got no problem with puka williams being on there instead of kennedy brooks now kenny brooks says football team's going to win a lot more games right but Puka Williams is a hell of a football player. And then I guess 
the most hyped Oklahoma State player that's not on there has got to be Eamon Ongbomamiga, but I, I just don't know whose spot he would take. I, I, I don't even think – I think Malcolm Rodriguez is better than him anyway. So I, I do too. So, I, I, I mean – I don't know. I, I, I like him, but he's not like an every-down guy to me. He gets thrown around a lot out there, but then he'll have a nice speed rush. He'll put a move on someone, get to the quarterback, or chase something down, you know, on, on the backside and make a play. But at the point of attack, he, he's not very good. So maybe he's going to have some we'll, big improvement this year. Yeah, we'll see. Now, Ted, it is still July. So, of course, it is still watch list season, baby. Watch Let's list. go. Love it. And we've got a couple local guys that are on some watch lists. You look at the Bolitnikoff Award watch list, Charleston Rambo and Tylen Wallace, both on it, clearly. Tylen Wallace, back in 2018, was a finalist for that award. A lot of people think he should have won that award. And we'll see if Rambo can step into some big shoes. You think he'll be the leading receiver for OU next, this, this coming season? See, before Hazelwood got hurt, I would have put my money on Hazelwood. I, I thought that he was the most talented. I guess what it would be between Rambo and Theo Weiss is kind of where I like Theo Weiss a lot. I do too. Man. I do, but Rambo's got one thing you can't teach, and that dude he, he can fly. He and here's can fly. the thing, you know, um, I like Theo Weiss. I like him after the catch. I think he's incredibly strong. He'll run over guys. Uh, he'll get some good tough yardage, but. Our offense is set up for, I mean, it's almost like a lot of passing plays are kind of like running plays where they're already blocking on the front side and they're throwing like a, you know, the drag route. And, dude, I, he's going to get a lot of those designed, easy catches that turn into big yardage. And just think, I, once again, well, let's, well, we know that there's still a lot of question marks around the season. You know, we're not idiots. I, I think everyone realized that. But we're going to keep talking about, this season like it's gonna happen people so just deal with it one thing I think that this version of Lincoln Riley's offense is going to be the version that Lincoln has always envisioned right kind of a blend of what he did with Kyler and Baker and you can do that in one guy with Spencer Rattler and I just think the passing attack is going to be more advanced this year and we, we talked about Rambo we talked about Wees, but I saw a video, I saw a video, and I've heard some things that the Theo Howard kid, the transfer, the Achilles yeah. is, is looking good. He's looking like he could be ready to go. So maybe him as a dark horse leading him in receiving. Now I think that would be a, that'd be a long shot, but he's stopping and starting well, which he hurt his Achilles in January, and it wasn't like a minor thing. How is he back already? This kid must be That's what I was about to superhuman. Say. Thank God for technology because there was a time not very long ago when an Achilles injury was a death sentence for an athlete. And to see guys coming back from that, like a Liz Frank fracture used to be a death sentence. Uh, we had um, Hollywood Brown had one of those, played a little bit with it, uh, had the surgery, and he's bounced back as good as ever. So it's good to see these guys that are getting injured, getting back and healthy and, and bouncing back in a strong way. So that, that's good news. I love yeah, to hear it. It's good news. And I was, I was pretty pumped up when I saw the video and heard some good things. Now, another watch list 
the Mackey Award for the best tight end in the country. There's a couple guys locally that don't exactly have the stats to really warrant being on this list, but I suppose it's all about their potential. Ted, Austin Stogner makes the Mackey Award watch list. Now, remember, he had those two big touchdown receptions and the comeback in Waco. They're expecting him to take a big step this year. I'm not sure if I think he can get to kind of a Mark Andrews level type player, but the coaches feel like he can bring a lot in the passing game. So it was pretty exciting to see him on the list, even though when you look at the stats, you're going, that doesn't add up. I I know how much you love Stogner just because he's huge. No, it's true. I think he's fantastic. And if they use him properly, which they don't need me to tell them how to use him properly. They know how to. Uh, I think it could be a huge addition to this offense. We've seen, um, you know, late in Mark Andrews' career, they started doing double tight stuff with both tight ends on the line of scrimmage in traditional tight end positions. And I think what they found, I think they did that to start showing that Mark Andrews could be an inline tight end to help his draft position. And I think what they found is it gave defenses hell on the other side trying to figure out what Oklahoma's going to do. Because with the exact same personnel, they'll line up in empty, right? And you'll have to have big linebackers covering uh, Mark Andrews or uh, Braden Willis, who are both really athletic guys. Braden Willis looks really small right now. He's not just a (laughs) completely jacked out of his mind. Oh, my gosh, that kid – he found, he found the buffet this offseason. He looks fantastic. <laughs> so, I mean, whenever they did that, defenses were – they ended up kind of being screwed because they have to stay small against those formations, and we just run the rock at them left and right. So, I think we found something that we've seen a lot more double tight end formations from Lincoln Riley since then, and I think they're going to start a lot of that with Stogner. And I'm, I'm telling you, this kid – if, if they go to him and use him properly and get those matchups, he's going to be a fantastic weapon. Now, is he going to be like a split out tight end that they just throw the ball to over and over? Nope. But, and I'm not saying he's going to be there, but I compare him to a guy like Gronkowski, who's a really good inline blocker, uh, at least early in, in his career. He was a really good inline blocker. And they had a couple of different times that they would go one-on-one to him in matchups and and get big play potential, obviously down on the goal line because of the size you would see the Patriots use him all the time. Lincoln Riley loves the Patriots has always watched that offense and been a big fan of what they did, a big student of what they did. Uh, So I think you're going to see some similarities there to Stogner. Now Gronkowski never been a big volume guy receiver, but the plays were always really nicely designed for big chunk play potential. Yeah, and don't be surprised to see more two tight end stuff. You know, with with there being some question marks about the depth at wide receiver with some of the looming suspensions, you know, guys out with injury, don't be surprised to see Lincoln Riley get really creative. And, and let's not forget, he spent the entire NFL playoffs watching – Kansas City run a bunch of two tight end stuff, also get in some stuff with tight end and fullback, and even some stuff with two tight ends and a fullback. You could see him getting really creative with Stogner, Willis, and Jeremiah Hall. It's just another wrinkle, right, for Lincoln yep. Riley to play well, here's, with. Here's another thing 
uh, too about the the double tight formations and stuff like that. And this is another Patriots thing that you saw happen a couple of years ago, and they used it relentlessly. I mean, what's what's kind of happened in the Big 12 is we saw last year people kind of got away from it, but there's not a lot of teams defensively that are set up uh, with their personnel to stop double tight, fullback, heavy, heavy sets. You know, they just right. don't have the guys. They're small at linebacker, so they can stay multiple. Your edge guys are smaller, uh, kind of pass rush specialists that aren't good against, you know, a, a tight end that's 6'6", 265 pounds or a big tackle. So that gives you another added advantage. Yeah. So it, it, it could get pretty interesting from a personnel perspective from Lincoln Riley. Now he's going to do what he's been doing, but I, I could see him adding some more two tight end formations this year. And that, that could be really, really difficult for teams to defend, especially when you got a guy like, Willis or Hall that can be an inline tight end, but also get in the backfield, play a fullback, H-back type role. It just makes it really hard to defend, man. I it mean, does. really hard. Here's the other thing, too, um, and, and I love this about last season. And I think the added benefit was it helped his defense out a lot. Lincoln Riley slowed it way down and ran a lot more. And like the Oklahoma State game is the perfect example. Slow it down, grind it out, uh, have long, sustained drives instead of some of the stuff that we saw before where it's just go, 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 score as fast as you possibly can. Now, I don't know if that was a one-off thing because Jalen Hurts or if that was, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley slowing down a little bit and saying, I've got to start helping my defenses out a little bit and playing a little bit more ball control on offense, still having success, still getting yards, still moving the chains and scoring points, but keeping my defense in mind and trying to limit the possessions that they're out there. Uh, just a reminder that if you ever hear anyone talk about Lincoln Riley's offense as an up-tempo offense, they're a moron. <laughs> OU played at one of the slowest paces in all of college football last year. So every time you heard – a guy go, oh, it's just this breakneck pace, up-tempo, high-flying Lincoln Riley offense. They're throwing it all over the place. Like, actually, they're playing at one of the slowest places in, slowest paces in the country, and they're running the ball like 65% of the time. So you're a moron, and you haven't watched a single Oklahoma game. Just say. Just remember. Yeah, it's, it's the funniest thing. Everyone – for whatever reason, Oklahoma's been typecast as an air raid offense that just throws it 70 times a game, and they haven't been that way really at all under Lincoln. Now, one offense that is that way, and they snap it very quickly, played at extremely high pace, is Oklahoma State's offense. And Jelani Woods, their freak show of an athlete at cowboy back, tight end, H-back, whatever you want to call him, he is also on the Mackey Award watch list. Once again, not a guy that's had a ton of production, but with Chuba Hubbard, with Tylen Wallace, you've got Stoner. He may get some more chances this year in the middle of the field, Ted, and they speak so highly of his athletic ability. We just haven't really seen it from a production standpoint, but maybe get some more targets this year. I, I don't know, but I was a little surprised seeing them on this watch list, but they do talk about what a freak he is quite a bit. 
Well, I mean, traditionally, you would think that this is the absolute perfect offense for Jelani Woods. Uh, heavy run with Chuba Hubbard. You've got uh, one of the best deep ball wide receivers on the outside. So uh, the protection, uh, you know, defensively is going to be on the outside with Tylen Wallace and packing the box against Chuba Hubbard. Opens up tons of play action stuff over the middle, uh, drawing the linebackers up on play action, hitting them in behind. Or uh, you've got those good one-on-ones with, uh, you know, slower linebackers, not as good cover guys. Because the safeties, like, you're not going to want to drop down an extra safety to take on, uh, um, you know, a, a tight end whenever you're you're really thin on the back end with Tyler Wallace on the outside. So, yeah, I, I think they're, you know, if, if, they, if they honestly see him as that type of weapon, this would be the perfect offense to utilize him in. Yeah. And uh... – I'm interested to see what kind of year he has because, like you said, he should have the opportunities with defenses focusing on the other weapons. They're gonna, they're probably gonna live with playing him man to man, saying, "Okay, yeah, we'll we'll see if Jelani Woods can beat us." So that should open up some good opportunities for him to make some big time plays, maybe put up some stats. All right, last bit of local college football news. Joe Castiglione talked to our man Toby Rowland late last week about the Missouri State game. They still haven't heard back from the NCAA on that petition to bump the game up a week. If that would have happened, they would have started their enhanced training camp this weekend. Instead, they were doing some testing uh, with Benny Wiley, your boy Asamoah put up 29 on the bench, allegedly, Ted, Love which it. is ridiculous, but good for him. So Oklahoma's still waiting on a decision on that waiver. Now, something very interesting that Joe Castiglione mentioned was that Missouri State has committed to using test kits provided by OU following the protocols that OU wants them to follow and they also will use OU's lab for coronavirus testing leading up to the game. Now, I'm still doubtful that this game happens because in my mind I'm like, okay, what's the risk-reward of this football game? But with what we've seen with OU's latest coronavirus testing results, they're doing something right. But the bottom line is we, we still don't know what's going to happen when actual football practice starts. But I, I think Missouri State, they had no, no choice. They were like, yeah, we'll do whatever you say, guys. You're going to bankroll our entire athletic department with this game. Well, um, do you remember my original theory on the NCAA and the uh, petition being faxed into some random room and no one has even seen the fax yet? Correct. I still think that that's what's happened. Why would it take the NCAA more than – seven minutes to agree to this thing you call the athletic director of oklahoma hey we see your petition here as long as missouri state's fine with it and you guys can figure out the arrangements what do we care when you play but no here we are it's going to drag on forever and ever that's the way the ncaa works but yeah i mean oklahoma Josie didn't seem like they were any way putting a pause on this thing they're proceeding like it's going to happen they're talking about the testing protocols and how they're going to manage all of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, as of right now, I think it's a go. But, I mean, I how, how do I honestly feel? I mean, 
I don't know some of the some cancel of the it and schedule Alabama. That's how I honestly feel. There right. you go. Because they'll play, they'll show up no matter what. I mean, you better be ready to play on that date because they're showing up with a football team to play the game. So no, I mean, I think Joe C's doing all the things properly that you have to. I mean, they're making the proper arrangements. They've done all the things testing wise to put them in a good position to play this thing as far as protocols with Missouri State. So they've agreed. Doesn't seem like there's any issue between the two teams coming to an agreement. So, I don't know. Yeah, I I still don't think that game happens, but it's looking like it's going to. Sure, why not? Okay, fine. Now, we'll see. Only time will tell. All right, Ted, let's move on to our National College Football News Roundup, and that is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools look to reopen in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children there's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis's college prep cur- curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. All right, let's start with... A story from Sports Illustrated, they obtained a copy of the coronavirus testing standards that are going to be put out by the Power Five. These appear to be similar to the document the NCAA put out late last week. Some interesting things in this, Ted. Teams will be required to test football players within 72 hours of games. Seems pretty reasonable. Now, the int- probably the most interesting thing in this entire document Players that test positive will be required to miss at least 10 days of competition in isolation. So the really weird part is players that were, quote, within six feet of an infected person for at least 15 minutes while one or both parties were not wearing a mask, that tested positive have to quarantine for 14 days even if they test negative for the virus. Wait, what? So if you test positive, you're out for 10 days. If you're practicing with or against the guy that tests positive, you've got a quarantine for 14. And it doesn't even matter if you test negative during the quarantine. How does that make sense? It doesn't make any sense at all. Like a lot of things that we've seen throughout this last couple of months, but um <laughs> Here's the thing. So it's like, this is an honor system, right? Because they can't follow every single player on every team to check and time how long they were around each person and whether or not it was six feet and whether or not they had masks on. So this is an honor system. Do you think there's a GA who's going to be in charge of logging practice time like how long these people are spending next to each other some poor some poor ga is going to have that as a job uh no i don't think so what i think is going to happen is no one is going to ever say that they were within six feet of an infected person for 15 minutes while neither one of them were wearing a mask that's what i think will happen no one will say oh yeah you know what 
I was, send me into 14 days of quarantine, even though you have no way to check it or verify it. Even and I'm though tested I tested negative. negative. <laughs> yeah, throw me into 14 days of quarantine. Yeah, that'll happen. That, that'll never, I mean, this is basically a built-in out for everyone that you don't even have to, you know, the contact tracing doesn't even have to work. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, now I'm sure there's a rhyme and reason for that. I'm just maybe not smart enough to understand why a person that tested positive would have a shorter period. And then I think I also read that that person that tests positive, they don't have to test negative or something like, I was like, uh, and they can still come back to practice. I was like, guys, there's too much going on. Just wake me up when the season starts and tell me what the rules are. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I, it, the, everything that is put up, which you got to understand, and I, I get it to a certain point, but this is all cover your ass stuff for these colleges. You know, yep. in, case, in case something were to happen, this is all to make sure they went down all of the proper protocols and everything, and every absolutely everything is covered. And you know, I, I think by doing that, you're going to really curb your uh, potential for having a season. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, you could have some big chunks of your football team miss two weeks with how this thing reads. So we'll see. One other thing in it, guys have to wear masks on the sideline. Even if they come off the field to talk to a coach, so – I wonder who's going to be in charge of getting guys masks when they jog over to the sideline to talk to a coach. That'll be a fun job to have. I bet they're all going to end up having the net. Have you seen the net gator mask? Oh, yeah, yeah. And just have it around your neck and throw it on if you go to the sideline. That makes I sense. Bet, I bet that's what everyone has on. I mean, probably 24 hours a day. That way you can never be hit for being within six feet of an infected person for 15 minutes while not wearing a mask. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Good time to be in the uh, neck scarf game. <laughs> I guess. There's been some guy who's had a, a neck gator neck scarf business for the last 20 years. And it's just never worked and was about to get neck, out of neck it. Neck scarf and is not the right like, term. I don't know why I said that. I don't yes. know what you call those things, but that business is booming, baby. All right. Uh, Ross Dellinger wrote an article for Sports Illustrated about kind of what the Leaders in the SEC are thinking when it comes to the schedule and the SEC, they, they want to save the big non-conference games. It, it does not sound like any SEC team wants to play a 10-game conference-only schedule. Uh, one leader in the SEC said that that was laughable in the article. Now, they prefer a 9 or 10-game schedule with eight conference games and one or two non-conference games. They want to save games like Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech. But they also want to save games like Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, LSU. Now, there could be some legal challenges if they play those non-conference games but cancel the bye games against FCS opponents. But I'm sure they'll deal with that if they have to. It's going to be interesting, Ted, to see if the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC can all stay on the same page with all of this because we saw the Big 10 break off and say, hey, you guys figure it out. This is what we're doing. Pac-12 followed suit. Now 
it's up to the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC to work together and make this thing work. Now, once again, we know that there's a lot of unknowns about football season right now, but mm-hmm. this could end up being really damn cool for college football fans if these three conferences are able to work together and put together some non-conference games. Well, it would give us, you know, ultimately what everyone's kind of always asked for, right? A season where all these top teams stop playing scrubs and only play other power five football teams. So, I mean, that's kind of what everyone has, has always wanted, except for the smaller schools. I mean, because those, those buy games fund their entire athletic program. So I understand that it is kind of a necessary part of college football. Now, the one thing that I haven't been able to find anywhere, and maybe you know the answer to this, if, if those the, – the buy games – can they just cancel those and have no obligation to the other opponent? Right. I would assume now I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm a contract lawyer, but you would assume there's some sort of buyout language in those deals. And if an sec team wanted to that, that's the slippery slope, I think for them to play some of these, these rivalry non-conference games and then not play those FCS games. I think that's probably something that the leaders in the SEC are trying to figure out what would the legal ramifications of that be. Now, if I was, you know, an athletic director in the SEC, I would figure out how to play a big non-conference opponent in the Big 12 or the ACC, get that game on national television, get revenue from it, and then just buy the FCS opponent out, give them the money I owed them so that they don't have to fold their entire athletic department so I don't have that on my conscience, and still it makes money. You know, that, 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 is, that is how I am thinking about this. That's probably a really dumb way of thinking about it because I'm not an, an administrator in college athletics, so it's probably not that simple, I'm guessing. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if it is. Or maybe like, it is. I don't know. If they don't have to play the game and you still pay them, they'd probably agree to that with, you know, no problem. I just – I don't know. Um, it kind of seems like the whole non-conference thing anyways, because it does – like we said originally, it doesn't – it's no safer to play your conference game than it is to play your non-conference game. Teams are still traveling to different pockets of the country. Uh, you know, some of these conferences spread huge regions of, of the United States. So it's no safer. It's all a, a money saving issue because it makes sense to have Missouri State at Oklahoma and pay them a bunch of money to come here because you're going to make all your gate. You're going to sell a bunch of beer and uh, all the different things that come with it. But if all of a sudden you're not going to have any fans in the stands, then it doesn't make sense to pay for that game. So I don't know. It's I don't know enough about it to, to offer an opinion. I just – I hate to say that I, I want to see the, the non-conferences only against the other Power Fives, which I think would be really cool and make for a much better season for fans. But on the same hand, I understand that you, you lose a bunch of money to those non-Power Five schools, and ultimately you may lose a bunch of football programs across the country. And – 
I like the fact that there's so many kids get to go play college football. So right. I don't know. I don't I'm know the perfect you. answer. How about this? They just play the full season, right? It, it's it's that easy. Let's it's go. That easy. Yeah, there's nothing. There, there's no roadblocks or hurdles right now. This this thing's simple, baby. Just play the whole thing. All right. Uh, now, Ted, there was a rumor that Notre Dame and Bama could be playing week one since USC and Alabama got canceled. Alabama athletic director Greg Byrne destroyed all of our dreams and came out on Twitter and said that that game is definitely not happening week one. So anyone that thought that that was going to happen, that's a big nope. When I first heard this, I thought, well, that would be awesome. Don't get me wrong. That would be great to watch Notre Dame and Alabama play. But this goes against everything Nick Saban has done in the non-conference. Like, USC is the perfect game because you're playing a team that's not very good but has a big-time name where it looks like you're playing somebody, right? Uh, Notre Dame's actually really good. And I don't see Nick Saban agreeing to scrapping a USC game to go play a college football playoff contender early in the season before getting into that brutal conference schedule that they've got. Yeah, he's like, eh. I love Greg Byrne was like, we're excited for the home and home that's upcoming between us and the Irish. But, yeah, we're definitely not playing that game. <laughs> so I thought that was, that was pretty funny. Uh, college football fans' dreams died very quickly. Uh, Indiana has paused football workouts because six players tested positive. Do we care about Indiana football? Does anyone care about Indiana football? I, I guess they have cool helmets every once in a while. That's about my extent of Indiana football knowledge. But I will say it's not good. It's still not good seeing a Power 5 football team have to pause workouts because guys are testing positive. That's, that's not good for anyone in college football. Six guys test positive. Um, they shut down the whole off-season workouts. I don't know how that makes it any better, but, you know, because those guys still live together in dorm rooms, off campus. They're still – I don't know. Yeah. Like, if they have the ability to go send uh, all 100 guys into their own pod somewhere, then I guess it would make sense. But well, what about this? You, you just have all the guys that have tested positive that have the antibodies – and you put them like in a draft and they all get put on teams and then they play their own season. <laughs> the, uh, the infected season, <laughs> the infected <laughs> football league. Oh, uh, Joe Smith was an infected all American in 2020. Pretty good player. <laughs> well, we, we'd see, you know, well, we'd see there, there'd be some damn good players, right? Yeah, Especially sure. locally. We know some, some really good players. Hey man, I heard the best way to get already. drafted is to go go infected. Yeah, go play go play a season of infected. Have you, have you heard about the infected now. league, bro? Yeah, no, it's where all the best players are going now. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> all right, uh, one last thing for the national college football scene: the Brockermeyer, which is a tremendous last name. Perfect. But the Brockermeyer twins have committed to Alabama. Tommy Brockermeyer is. An offensive tackle. He's the number two ranked prospect overall. James Brockermeyer is a center and is the 99th prospect overall. Really painful 
for the University of Texas. You hate to see it, Ted. You really hate to see the Longhorns take an L on the recruiting trail like this because, well, their brother currently plays at Texas, their dad was an All-American at Texas, and their granddad played at Texas. Ouch. The Twins, they go to Bama, and they just jilt the Longhorns at the altar. That had to hurt Tom Herman's soul. It goes, it goes back to what I said about Tom Herman and having the trust of his team. If, if you're on a football team and your two twin brothers are some of the highest recruited kids in the country and it's truly a great environment and you love where you're at and you trust your coach, you believe in your coach and you believe that you're actually going to win a championship, playing a college football playoff, uh, win a Big 12, have a chance to, to do all these great things, it would be a no-brainer that you get your brothers to come there and you tell them how great it is. You tell them what, you know, what it's going to be like when they get there. If it's not like that, you probably say, guys, let me tell you something. Maybe you should go to Alabama because it ain't happening here. I don't know, dude. I just – it's just it's, weird because they're – I mean, Cosme is about to be a first-round pick. Yeah. It, it's just – I mean, their brother's got to get better at recruiting his brothers. Well, and their dad and grandpa apparently too. I mean, it, it's you, hard. don't now, you it's, think this is a, a horrible look for Texas? Yes, I do. When I read about it, I started laughing out loud. I was like, oh, that it's sucks. Like, these but, kids should have committed to Texas from there in the eighth grade. It doesn't matter who the coach is. But the, the, the one thing I will say about this entire thing, you've got two brothers that are both offensive linemen that are in the top 100 of the recruiting rankings. What can you say to them when they commit to Bama? Like, no, don't go there, man. Don't do that. That's stupid. Like, you can't say that about Alabama. You can't say it's stupid, but you can shame them. That yeah, you got to shame them. Family is through and through uh, Texas. Grandpa, come on, man. Don't you remember granddad going to, you know, it's just like, I don't know, man. I, I think it's, uh, I think it tells you more about the University of Texas than maybe anything we've seen recently. Yeah. The Brockermeyer twins. Can't wait to, you know, keep tabs on sounds them. That's like a great football. last name, the Brockermeyers. It sounds like a. It sounds like an award, like an offensive lineman award, the Brockermeyer Trophy. Here comes now. We we definitely need to wait and see because he's going by Tommy now. I bet by the end there at Bama, he's Tom Brockermeyer. <laughs> he gets Might real mature. Be, maybe Thomas. Oh my that. God, Thomas Brockermeyer. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but I'm going to keep saying it like that it's for his entire the, career. Anytime you say the word or the name Brocker, it just naturally comes out that way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it has to do with like Brock Lesnar or what's happening, but I can't say Brockermeyer like in a normal voice. I just can't. It's impossible. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. And since it's Monday, you know, you're going to get some football guys talking basketball. Yes. FGTB and We've got a problem in the bubble. There's a bubble problem. Zion has left the NBA bubble now. It's for a family medical emergency, and he intends to rejoin the Pelicans at a later date. But, Teddy, 
Zion Williamson is essentially the only reason that there's 22 teams at this thing. Adam Silver has to be so pissed off because they would have just done 16 teams. In my, in my opinion, they would have just done 16 teams if Zion Williamson wasn't going to be there. They may have just canceled the season, you know, if Zion wasn't going to be there. But, yeah, it's – I don't know. Guys leaving – I don't know what the medical emergency is, and I can't say that – Yeah, I mean, there's you, – you really can't say it because it, be it could be something serious, you know, the family member. So you don't want to, you know, make light of that. You would assume it's it's a serious situation. Part but. of me does feel like as soon as those guys get there, they're like, "Dude, I got to get out of here for a little while. This is way too far away from playing actual games. This is going to be too long in the bubble. I've got to get out for a little while." Do you think they'll make him quarantine when he gets back? I I think they'll be like, "Hey, just test. If if you test negative twice, two days in a row, you're good." There's not going to be a ten day quarantine period for Zion, is there? Here's what's going to happen. Oh, uh, Zion while he was home for the medical emergency was quarantining and already did his 10 days. I mean, that's, what's going to happen. I, I hope because I, mean, I want to watch the guy play. I agree. I agree. But yeah, I assume the Pelicans were like, what? No, please don't do that. <laughs> just, I, I want, I would pay money to see Adam Silver's reaction on that phone call. Just, uh, uh he's doing okay. what he's uh, okay. Okay. Um, Let's life flight the family member to Orlando. Yeah, that makes more sense. Get him in the bubble. It's safe there. <laughs> now, Shams came out and said that the NBA awards will be based on regular season play through March 11th. So the seeding games won't count. Oh, my God, March 11th. Can you believe it has been that long since we've had NBA basketball? That is unreal. March 11th, 2020, that seems like a different year, doesn't it? it it's like, oh, yeah. That, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I realized I looked up and I was like, it's July <laughs> through March 11th. What? No one even remembers back then. How, how in the world could you pick? What, Giannis, is, Giannis is going to win MVP, right? It's not going to be LeBron. Remember, wasn't that a conversation right before the world just stopped, right? That I we don't were even talking remember. About, hey, LeBron's coming on strong. I don't even remember. Who's going to win sixth man of the year? Don't know that to me, it's as if that season doesn't even exist. Honestly, I'll tell you the real thing here, though, is um, Woj being on hiatus. Uh, Shams is coming in big, baby. Dude, he's, he's breaking, crushing it, he's crushing all the stories, breaking all the news. You know, Woj is just sitting there. I mean, like, probably in a ball, crying himself to sleep every night, checking Shams' Twitter account. No, he's probably just sending two-worded emails, baby, left and right. <laughs> Let's go. Now, one thing about those NBA awards, we've already heard that Dennis Schroeder's going to leave, right, once his wife is about to have their second child. And then Montrez Harrell from the Clippers, he is left as well for some sort of family emergency. Those are two guys that are front runners for sixth man of the year. So the seeding game's not factoring into that award. That helps both of them out because it would seem like both of these guys are going to miss some games. Uh, I don't know how many, but some. Uh, so we'll see. Now, I I don't even remember who's in the running for most of the awards. I'm not even going to pretend. Like, who's going to be Defensive Player of the Year? I have no idea. Who won it last year? Give it to him again. It's just, <laughs> just give it to Kawhi. It's fine. I don't even know. 
is is Paul George still good at defense? I don't know. Given this March was forever ago. Uh, all right. The last uh, thing I remember about the season in like Kawhi and Paul George is that they played in like five games together the entire season, right? Everyone on that team was hurt and basically in rotation. And so, they were just like, when they're all together and healthy, they're incredible. That's so, still my pick to win it all this year. We'll see. We'll see. Missing a big piece, Montrose Harrell. But uh, quick update on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Nerland's Noel tweaked his ankle. Sounds like he is fine. Just being cautious. They sat him out of the contact portion of practice on Sunday. One interesting note, though, Darius Baisley has been getting some looks at backup center as a result of this in practice. And, hey, that dude has been one of the most entertaining guys in the NBA bubble if you keep up with his social media. But I wouldn't mind seeing if he can do a little bit of that in the seeding games. And I I just am – I'm so interested. You talk about Baisley, like where will he fit in? It seems like Billy Donovan's really going to play him in a power forward role. I don't know if his minutes – are going to get significantly reduced because you have to figure out how to split up minutes between Lou Dort, Terrence Ferguson, and Andre Robertson because, once again, Andre Robertson went through all of practice, full contact. Now, Billy Donovan said his offense has a ways to go. Uh, Yeah, we've been saying that for a while, Billy. That's not surprising. But I'm just – I'm so curious to see – how these minutes get split up between Dort, Ferguson, and Robertson. It's going to be fascinating, Ted. I'll tell you what's crazy. You know, the Thunder's roster obviously has, at times, had massive star power. But, you know, for the longest time, it was it was Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. And it was basically your turn, my turn, offensively, one-on-one basketball. And I feel like now this roster is so deep with a bunch of different guys that can chip in on different nights and play different roles. There's just there's just a, a whole group of guys that can factor in every night. That's what makes it so fun to watch, go, man. Go way back to March and remember how much <laughs> fun Thunder fans, including us, were having watching this basketball team and I love all this talk about, hey, these guys, especially the young guys, talk about Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Lou Dort, you know, Baisley, they've all gotten stronger. You know, they're developing more physically. They've really taken advantage of the time off. So, dude, I am absolutely fired up to watch this team play, and I I still have no expectation of them competing for a championship or anything like that, but I can guarantee you one thing. They're going to be competitive and the games are going to be damn fun to watch. So uh, I'm so excited for the NBA to come back. And no one pop that bubble, please. Keep <laughs> keep the ladies out of the bubble. I, I understand. I know there's been some whispers, but let's just – but please don't do that. Please. Come on. The snitch line already got Dwight Howard. Got <laughs> yeah. him. Hey, wear a mask, Dwight Howard. People will Which snitch I wonder, on you. I a part of me is like someone honestly called into the snitch line. The other part of me is like it was one of his teammates just trying to give him like a hard time to see what would happen if they Could, called it in. Now, Dwight Howard is weird enough to call in on himself. True. Yeah, he'd be like – like he realized he's walking around, he didn't have a mask on, and be like, oh, I got to report this on my own. He like changed his voice. Hi, this is uh, – this is <laughs> – 
Derek, I saw Dwight Howard not wearing a mask. All right, bye. <laughs> Just the guy is the guy is out there. Whose whose horrible job is it to call players and be like, hey, listen, so we got a we got a tip on the snitch line. Hey, were you wearing a mask yesterday? <laughs> no. Yeah, we know. Someone snitched on you. Sorry. Yeah, okay. We're going to have to ask you to go ahead and wear one of those, please. Yeah. All right, Ted, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. And those are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs to help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Nice. Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I'm going to go with some uh, PGA golf for my winners and losers for winter, I'm going with Jack Nicholas, dude. That golf course was set up brutal for these players. They played it last week, and the winners were like 20 under par. This week, it was insanely difficult. Uh, the pros look like a bunch of amateurs out there. I it thought you were gonna. I thought you were giving it to the Golden Bear because he had Corona and he fought it off like a champ. No big deal. He's yeah. I've got the antibodies. No big deal. I've already uh, weathered the storm. Not that I'm good bad. To go. I'm fine. So if you want me to go shake hands with the winner, I'll do it. Uh, it was pretty interesting. I'll kiss him on the mouth. I'm not scared. Uh, that course is beautiful. It was in fantastic condition. Um, I thought the coverage was awesome. I think it's it's cool to see. Um, you know, I know PGA's been playing, but it's just not the same with Tiger out with when Tiger's out there. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. But the one complaint I still have about golf: why is the entire round? Why is every shot not nationally televised? It, guys, it's 2020. We're in a pandemic. Why am I not seeing from when the first guy tees off to when the last guy puts it in on 18? I don't, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm, now, once again, I'm not a television rights expert or any of that shit but it doesn't make sense it drives me insane it, i am the same way i am furious every single week it go, it's gone on for years okay every single week you can stream in. it you can stream it on the app i don't want to stream it on the app i want to watch it on my television okay so here's the thing um that was my other winner is amazon because i've clicked onto amazon prime to watch some show and right there on the top it says watch the memorial so i click on it they got me for my ten dollars a month uh to, for pga tour live you can watch the first shot to the last shot all the way through the entire thing um that's why they're they're getting all these fools like me to pay their ten dollars a month to watch uh the pga first shot to last shot but the fact that i could do it on my tv was pretty cool quick question would it be unethical would it make me a bad person if i go ahead and do that while i'm living at my mother-in-law's <laughs> would that make me no. a bad person she'll never know a, here skin her off a 10 spot and be like here here's ten dollars i ordered uh the pga tour live app on amazon <laughs> yeah i'll just do that i'm gonna do that for sure <laughs> and then she'll be hit for ten dollars a month for the rest of her life and uh but you gave her that original ten dollars um 
my loser is uh, <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau, which has obviously been getting all of the attention for how much weight he's put on and how far he's Look, dude, driving the golf ball. It's unbelievable what he's doing off the tee. He's, he's killing it. 400-plus drives. Um, I mean, he hit like two or three of them on the first day. Um, you know, he had a win behind, but that doesn't matter. And it even got Jack, Jack Nicholas to say that they need to change the golf ball. And I kind of laughed at that. And I was like, well, let's just wait to see if he actually wins anything of note uh, with this new beefed up golf swing that he's got. Well, what happened to uh, Bryson on um, Friday is what happens to a lot of guys that swing out of their shoes whenever they're teeing off. He hooks it into a creek, has to drop. Then he hits three of the crappiest shots I've ever seen in my life. He hits the first two out of bounds, and the third Almost goes into the hazard. Almost goes into the hazard. Almost went out of bounds, too. Ends up taking a 10 and ruins his – he was fine. He was going to make the cut. He wasn't playing great, but he was going to make the cut and be there for the weekend in one hole – he, he's completely out of the tournament and basically saved it to where Tiger Woods played on the weekend, which at that point, I don't know if Tiger was happy or mad that he had to play Saturday and Sunday, but it was for me, I'd still rather watch Tiger Woods play around a golf poorly than I would any of the other guys on, on tour. I, I will say this about DeChambeau when he put up that 10. It was so relatable for all of us. That moment where in his head he is counting strokes, where he is adding it up going, wait, I went out, I went out, okay, so nine, okay, yeah, I think ten, ten, yeah. That was one of the most relatable moments from a professional athlete I have ever seen, and I'm sure that that gif will live on in the golf world forever. I mean, forever. And I can't decide if – DeChambeau is likable or not now it do people are people starting to like him Ted I don't think so I mean maybe I, I don't know I don't know what it is um I guess I'm just kind of part of the group and I've decided to not like him either I really I can't answer why but I like watching him pound the golf ball that's that's pretty cool it's pretty cool but I, it's one of those things where you know, had that happened to him and it was in a tournament and there were no cameras around, I would like to know what's what he would done. Because when you're on camera, you can kind of keep it calm a little bit, keep it composed, go to the next hole. But, you know, he was wanting to take that driver and just bash it into the pavement. He probably would have just jumped into that creek and said, <laughs> hey, forget about it. See you guys later. Just punch a tree or something. I don't know. Unfortunately for him, he can't do what I can do. Uh, whenever you take a 10 on a par 5, I usually just mark it 7 and go to the next hole. Yeah. But, the, the, you know. the, the maximum you can get is 3 over. I mean, that's just <laughs> – that's golf etiquette. All right, Ted, my winner of the weekend, Canada. The Great White North. America's hat. They love that nickname. <laughs> and my winner of the weekend is Canada because they are sticking to their roots. The NHL is supposed to play its 24-team playoffs in two hub cities, Edmonton and Toronto. 24 teams, Ted, 
the entire NHL, their season is riding on Edmonton and Toronto. But the Toronto Blue Jays were informed that they won't get to play any of their home games in Canada because the government doesn't think it's safe for players to travel back and forth from the United States. So Canada gave a giant middle finger to Major League Baseball, but they're like, oh, yeah, come on, hockey, let's do this. Hey, we got you. It'll be fun. I, I don't understand how those two things happen. You can't play any baseball, but we're going to have the entire NHL here in these two hub cities. I, I, but it's, it's the most Canadian thing I've ever seen. It's strange. Um, they're in hockey heaven in the middle of summer up there. It's going to be the craziest thing. Um, you typically don't think hockey whenever it's, you know, 95 degrees outside. But uh, nonetheless, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I don't know I how that whole happens. thing's going to go down. I do, too, because – I like playoff hockey. I really do. It's, I'm, it's I'm a like, big NHL playoffs fan. Dude, NHL playoffs is like the greatest thing ever. So to imagine that it's going to be playoffs after usually it's brutal physical and, you know, lights out after they just played an 82-game season. All those guys are going to be coming into this playoff session with fresh legs. I bet it's going to be some of the coolest hockey ever. So I can't wait for that. As for the Blue Jays and why Canada would uh, uh, kind of screw them out of playing at home, maybe it's better. I don't know, but <laughs> that, that was pretty weird. That's, that seems like a weird flex, but how, okay, Canada, you can have it. How about this? Oklahoma City, Blue Jays. Just saying. Just saying. We gotta, that is interesting. Where are they going to play them? I, I don't know, but I'm sure. Stick, get on the phone. Play him at Buffalo right across the uh, the river. Yeah, it is right there. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know, but I, I thought that that was – maybe that will change, but as – You know what's funny? I actually played a football game in that Toronto Dome. Really? Bills. Yeah, played against the Miami Dolphins in 08. And I assume that was that was considered a home game for you guys. Game. Yeah. Well, there the, the people from Buffalo just go, okay. Okay, I guess we'll go to Toronto. I think I think it was maybe like the NFL trying to do their uh, outreach thing. I don't know exactly what that, would that be was. Sweet. Hey, Toronto's cool. That's a cool city. I mean, we. Oh, you didn't you didn't go for like a couple days or anything? You no. went for the game. It's came only home. like what is it like an hour and a half drive? Yeah, it's right that, there. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, we didn't we didn't go do anything. We just we just showed up, played the game, and left. So, but it was pretty cool, I guess. Well, there you go. All right. Well, my loser of the weekend, speaking of the NFL, the NFL is my loser of the weekend. What the hell is going on? Okay, so the league puts out the schedule. Rookies report July 21st. Quarterbacks injured players coming back July 23rd. Camp starts for the rest of the guys. Everybody's reporting July 28th. You got all these, you know, verified accounts on Twitter saying, hey, Training camp is a go. Let's roll. I'm getting all excited. They're putting out preseason dates if those games are played. It all looked like everything was going according to plan and everything was normal. And then players started tweeting. <laughs> and, and I'm not talking you're just, you know, slappies. Not just any guys. I'm talking Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, J.J. Watt, 
Kyler Murray, Drew Brees, on and on and on. All of the best players in the National Football League are saying, hold up, what's the damn plan? And J.J. Watt put out a tweet explaining what the players don't know as of right now. And a couple of those things are what the acclimation period is going to be, what testing will be, how many preseason games there will be, if there's any at all. They don't know how close contacts will be, like the contact tracing and how those people will be monitored if a guy tests positive. There's no details on an opt-out clause for guys that are high risk or have family members that are high risk. Like, what the hell is going on? How have they not addressed these with the NFLPA? I'm reading all of this going, how is this even possible? We thought the NFL, if anybody, like they've had all this time to figure these things out, ramp it up, and all of a sudden all these players are saying, no, 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 we don't know any of these details. And now I'm worried about the NFL season starting on time. When I thought the NFL, if anybody was going to play on time, and it was going to be fine. It was going to be the NFL. I mean, the shield is Teflon, right? But the best players in the league are saying this, Ted. Like, this is alarming for me. It looks like Roger Goodell never came out of his basement after the draft, <laughs> right? right. What, what has he been doing? I mean, we had the draft forever ago. We've known this thing is is – is going to be an issue for, for football, for all sports. We've been trying to ramp things up. It has been strange that we haven't heard anything from the NFL. It's always been like – and it made us believe that, oh, they're just plowing forward. They're focused. They've got all these things in place. They know exactly what they're going to do. It turns out, no, they're all on vacation, and maybe they just thought this thing was going to play itself out. I have no idea, but the NFLPA is um, – they want answers to a bunch of questions. And my guess is the NFL undervalued how involved the NFLPA was going to be in some of this stuff. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think the league probably said, we'll get the guys back to their, their teams, get them in training camp. Uh, we'll test them, whatever, whatever, you know, protocol that they came out with and figure that everyone would be good with it. And, my guess is the NFLPA, whenever they had their, their little exchange, wanted uh, answers to way more questions than the NFL They're like, wait, thought about. we figured these guys would just be cool with all of this. <laughs> Which, I mean, some people were thinking. But, yeah, if, if you're interested, go check out the hashtag we want to play on Twitter, and you will see a laundry list of who's who in the National Football League throwing out a tweet that basically said, hey, what about our safety? What's the damn plan? And guy after guy after guy kept putting out similar tweets. And I was just like, how is this happening? Like, how how have these things not been addressed? It, it blew my mind. It blew well, my damn mind, man. Here's Here's one thing, though, because I'll tell you right now, if I was in the NFL, um, I would – I would be uh, definitely saying we want to play or I want to play. But, you know, when Mahomes and Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt and Drew Brees start texting out, like, they don't speak for, like, 
85% of the NFL. No, these are all the super rich guys. These guys make, like, this group of guys make, like, 80% of the money in the NFL. It's a very small group. <laughs> and everyone else is like, would you shut up so we can go play the season? Like, if, you, if we require all of these things to happen, it's going to make it more difficult for there to be a season and put it on hold, which I know you want to go on vacation with your $40 million that you made last year, but I'm just trying to pay the bills. Can we please go play some football? I would like for, you know, some backup quarterbacks to be like, hey, man, if – Mahomes doesn't want to play. Sign me. I'm cool. Like uh, I'll accept all the risks for for half what he would have made. (laughs) You, hey, I'll do it for 250 million. You don't even have to give me the 500. (laughs) Think about how much money you're saving. (laughs) Oh, but yeah. So I I think very important few weeks. If next few days going to be huge. It was the crazy. National Football League. I'm the same as you though. Like I thought for the longest time that the NFL they're they're moving forward. It doesn't matter what happens. And then late last week, it was like it hit the brakes hard on that deal. So I'll say this. J.C. Treader, who is now the president of the NFLPA, he and I were teammates in Cleveland. I was his backup. I would have loved to see him send out that tweet because I would have sent a couple of texts saying, hey, I know what J.C. is saying, but 28th, I'll be there. No questions asked. I'll be there. And if I'm the starting sitter because JC doesn't want to show up because he has to represent the PA and has to do his thing, like I get it. But hey, I'm ready to roll, coach. Like that's just, I'm just telling you, that's exactly what I would have done. It's like uh, I'll send you my. This test is finally results. my break. <laughs> this I I will come to the I will quarantine in my actual locker at the facility for the next 14 days if you need me to. Yeah. All right, Ted. Let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment keeping it local where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And this one is sports related. We've seen lots of athletic departments across the country cutting sports, uh, entire programs. Saw what happened at Stanford, UConn, Akron, several other places. Jenny Carlson wrote an article in the Oklahoman that made it clear. And it, it, it did make me feel better. It made it clear that Oklahoma state and Oklahoma aren't going to do that. It's got quotes from Chad Weiberg. It's got quotes from Joe Castiglione. While there have been significant budget cuts, salary reductions, probably some furloughs that are coming down the line, OU and OSU will continue to fund all athletic scholarships, and they have no plans of cutting any programs. Now, one big reason they don't have to do that, like some of these other schools that you're seeing around the country, is because they do not rely on what's called allotments and that's student fees uh, school funding government funding they don't rely on those allotments for their operating expenses as an athletic department so who knows what will happen if something happens to football season but I'm just going to take this as a positive where the people in the leadership roles at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are saying hey we are not cutting sports so For any of the listeners out there that are a big fan of OU baseball or, and that would be way down the list, but, or Oklahoma State wrestling, right? Which would also be way down the list of getting cut. But some of these sports in this state have huge followings. And I had heard some people a little concerned about maybe something that their son or daughter that really loves going and watching and supporting 
Like they were a little worried that maybe it would end up getting cut as a result of what's going on right now in college athletics. And I was relieved, for lack of a better term, to see the leaders at these schools say, no, 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 that is, that's not what we're doing. Yeah, I, and I hope that's the case. But, you know, the furlough situation, I, I honestly think that if, if we don't have football, like if we're, we're getting down to it, which, you know, here we are trending towards the end of July it, where training it, it, camp and stuff's about to happen. You just think, like, we're going to – we're essentially going to know the fate of college football season in the next two weeks, right? Yeah, I mean, if if Oklahoma successfully has their their game moved up, we're a week away from being a month out from playing a football game at OU. So let's go. I mean, but if that doesn't happen and they have to move it back to spring or whatever, my guess is they furlough every single program instantly. Because there's a ton of maintenance and salary and tons of costs to keep all those operational. And we saw the Iowa State letter. We talked about it. Um, you know, what, they have 40-some million dollars in unfunded um, you know, Unfunded expenses. expenses. Yeah. That are, like, mandatory expenses, like, you know. Fixed this is, costs. Yeah, fixed costs. So, and think about Oklahoma's list is probably, I don't know, maybe twice that size. Um, I saw the USA Today release of the um, the schools that, you know, revenue and expenses. And I think Oklahoma was like 160-something million with cost of like 150-some million. So we had a, a little bit of a pad. But, you know, this – athletic departments don't operate like a traditional business, you know, where uh, profits get, you know, pushed out. It's like they spend everything that they make. They allot all of that money and you know continue to fund programs and oklahoma routinely gives between five and seven million dollars i think back to the university general fund of the university so like if football's not there i mean i would think that something serious has to happen at least in the near term to save all of the programs in the long term yeah i i just have my fingers crossed that football season's going to work out Right. I think if you are, if you're a fan of people keeping their jobs, <laughs> of people keeping their businesses, you, you got to be rim, hoping for the best. The uh, ramifications are huge. I mean, within the Oklahoma athletic department, you think about all of the people, the ancillary positions, trainers, um, equipment guys, I mean, strength and conditioning, uh, facility all the people behind the scenes that, People don't realize, you know, the, the huge difference they make in student athletes and coaches' lives. It, oh man, it's a massive I, I hope group it of doesn't... people, and that not, that doesn't even get into the uh, bars, restaurants, um, places that that sell, you know, t-shirts and, and jackets and all that stuff. I mean, it's a well, it's, it's got depressing quickly. Well, it's not depressing because it's going to happen, Gabe. Keep hey, it positive. Positive positive right all right ted episode 26 in the books now we'll have a new podcast that'll drop thursday morning just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great week until next time we appreciate y'all for listening 
And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time